as we continue our worship today, I invite you to stand up and join with us in singing.
been times when I um, get up here to preach and feel like, you know, we've just had a baptism. We've just sang some beautiful songs. I'm full. You know what I mean? I feel like, oh, man, I, I, I don't know how this is going to be because, you know, I'm just, it's just icing on the cake, I guess, right? How are you this morning? It's great to see you guys. Great to see your smiles. Thank you so much for the baptism. Thank you for the commitment you made. That is fantastic. It's an inspiration. People don't know that. People don't realize that when somebody makes a commitment that way, it inspires each and every one of us to recommit. And there are some here that still haven't made the dunk, if I can use that. There's a photo uh, came across. It's, it's in the October 1993 issue of Life magazine. Uh, it's of a boy that's playing a flute. And a t his, his, his name is Jensen. He's 10 years old. And he has dark bangs that are covering his face a bit. And if you were to wipe away the bangs, unfortunately, you would only see redness and empty sockets because 10-year-old Jensen was blind. He lives in a charitable institution in Bogota, Colombia. Now, blindness is always tragic, no matter what the reason is. But it is even more tragic in the case of Jensen, because Jensen was a victim of what they called organ nappers, or eye thieves. You understand what I'm saying? Jensen plays sad songs on, those, on that flute. See, when Jensen was 10 months old, he had a really bad stomachache. And he began to suffer and, and hurt. And his mom said, I got to get you to the hospital. And so he took, she, he, she took him to the hospital. And when she took him to the hospital, the doctor said, you know, we're going to have to keep him overnight. We'll keep an eye on him. When she went back the next day to pick him up, his eyes were all bandaged up. There was blood spattered all over his body. And she's saying, what, 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 just, what, what's going on here? What? And, and, he, and she was dismissed by a doctor with a very arrogant and, and uh, angry kind of like, don't you see your son is dying? And, and left the room. So she took her son to another doctor. And the doctor looked at uh, Jensen at the time and said, I am so sorry, ma'am. They have stolen his eyes. Now, I know this sounds kind of crazy, but Jensen is actually one of the lucky ones because most people that are victims of organ nappers get killed. And that's the end of it. I'm going to talk to you this morning about the story of someone whose eyes were stolen by a broken world. All of us have had something stolen from us in this broken world. Some of us have had our eyes stolen. Some of us have had our ears stolen. 
Some of us have had our soul stolen. Some of us have had our courage stolen. But all of us have had something stolen from this broken world. Would you agree? So we begin the story in John chapter 9. I'm going to be reading from the NIV, beginning with verse 1. John chapter 9, verse 1. John recounts the story. He says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. He saw a man blind from birth. There's only one thing worse than feeling insignificant. And that is actually needing people to feel pity for you and your insignificant life so that they will give you some money and you can live one more insignificant day. But that was this man's life. The life of this beggar sitting in perpetual darkness, feeling alone all the time. When your eyes are closed, and you could try this sometime, when your eyes are closed, your other senses become more acute. Have you noticed that? And think about somebody that's blind. Your imagination is powered by the sounds you hear, the things you hear, the whispers, the suggestive sighs. Those who are, are ignorant of, of your perceptive faculties. And so was the case of this man, day in, day out. And on that day, Jesus passes by. And he's there with his disciples, and the disciples are so intelligent. And they ask the most intelligent questions, don't they? In fact, in John chapter 9, verse 2, they ask this brilliant question. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? In other words, from the disciples' perspective, what they had been taught all their lives is that the only way that a person could be born blind is if he or his parents were criminals, if he or his parents were sinners. And that's it. There's no other way. That's, that's, and when we think about somebody else, we think that is ludicrous. I mean, that... How is that possible that somebody would actually think that? But I wonder sometimes what we think about our brokenness. And how many times we have thought that maybe what I'm experiencing is because I've blown it somewhere. Or what brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so is experiencing the pain, the, the, the heartbreak, whatever. It is. They, they are much, we are like Job's comforters sometimes. Have you noticed that? If you've not read the story of Job, that may be a, that may be a series for us one day. <laughs> I wonder how many times he had heard these implicative words. And I wonder how many times I have unwittingly added insult to injury under the pretense of inquisitiveness. Yeah, I'm just wondering. I mean, who, who is the sinner here? How many times have I contributed to the spiritual and emotional despair of those who are already collapsing under a burden, unmindful that I was actually doing it? Sometimes we don't realize how easy it is 
to strip away somebody's dignity. We just say it. How are we doing out there? So the disciples were only echoing the sentiments of the times. If there's a calamity, it has got to be because of punishments for our sins. And I wonder how many times this poor man had rehearsed in his mind, where did I go wrong? What did I do as a baby? <laughs> or maybe blamed his parents. What did they do? Because you see, this is what people actually believed in those days. You, you don't believe that, do you? Then, John chapter 9, verse 3, gets a little tricky. And I've chosen this version on purpose. Because I remember reading this for the first time and thought, hello. <laughs> it says here, Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Hello. Wait, hold on. I can hear you, Jesus, whoever you are. Are you trying to tell me that the reason I've been blind all these years is so that God can look good? Is that what you're trying to say? I've had many atheist friends quote this one to me, inviting this, this appalling misunderstanding and basically saying, what are we, just all pawns in this game that God is playing? Really? And does he, is he that insecure that he needs to feel good about himself and bring glory to him by some, by, by some miracles? And this poor guy had to be like this this whole time? Well, if you dig deep into the language, let me give you a more accurate translation of what he said. He actually said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but so that the work of God might be displayed in his life, we must do the work of him who sent me while it is still day. Are you catching that? Let me read it again. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but so that the work of God might be displayed in his life, we must do the work of him who sent me while it is still day. Are you following? In effect, Jesus is basically saying, hey, look, you're asking all the wrong questions here. What kind of stupid question is that, really? <laughs> While you're always looking, for so always looking for someone to blame, there's something about our nature that at the moment we just, okay, what, what do we blame? How do we, why did this happen? And he's basically saying this is not a cause and effect scenario. This is the result of a broken world. That's what he's saying here. This is not about some unsolved theological riddle. This is about a suffering brother. You're worried about how and who and what? Really? I want you to see what God's going to do right now. Because right now, even though this, this terrible thing has happened to him because of this broken world, right now he's been chosen as an instrument of God to reveal the power and goodness of God's glory. I don't know about you, but that brings me comfort. 
brings me comfort to know that we're all victims of this crazy world. But that somehow God can use my brokenness for his glory. I didn't always think that way. And so this man, without even knowing it, is well on his way to his forever encounter. He just has an encounter right now. But it's going to turn into forever. And watch how this turns into forever. It's pretty cool. I love this story. John chapter 9, verses 4 and 5, Jesus says the words, As long as it is day. These words should reverberate through our whole body right now as believers. Some of us have looked at this past year and wondered, wow, what is going on? Is it time? Is it no longer day? Jesus said, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And you all know, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And this is, our purpose is to shine every day, every moment, every opportunity and chance that we get while it is day. While it is day. I'll never forget <clears throat> when I first became a believer and I got a little overzealous, which turned my whole family off to the whole Jesus thing. You know, they were Catholic, and, you know, that was going to church for an hour was good enough for them. And, and I, I get it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not knocking that, but I needed a deeper experience. But the deeper I got, the crazier I got with trying to tell them about it, and they kind of rode me off for a while. Years passed as God took me on this journey to become a pastor. And at first, I, you guys have heard this before, when I first got baptized, my mom said to me, you get baptized, don't ever step foot in this house. I did. Both. She's an Italian mom. I mean, I know what she meant. Italian moms, they're like, they got, they got, they got, you know, they got persuasion and manipulation in their pocket, man. They know what to say. But it didn't stop me. She laid in bed for two weeks because I was baptized. In protest, I think. Let me fast forward years later. As my father was home, sick, at that time we didn't know exactly what he had. And the conference had decided to ordain me. And my mom came two hours in the heat of the summer to watch her son 
get ordained. Can I just tell you? And if I can ever get my office clean enough for some of you guys to come and see it at home, I have this little plaque hanging in my office, written in Italian. Sorry about that. But they're the words of a mom who was thankful that her son loved Jesus. And when she was dying of Lou Gehrig's disease, I finally got the courage one more time. I had found the steps to Christ in Italian and had given it to her. Knowing that she didn't even have the strength to eat, let alone read. And I'll never forget, a few weeks later, we went back to visit and I asked my sister, who was her caretaker, really, at the time. And I said, Rosanna, do you know if mom is reading that little book I gave her? Oh, yeah, she said. <laughs> She's reading it the second time through now with a little journal next to her. You know, you read it once to make your son happy, right? You read it twice because it's saying something to you. And I still have her journal, and you'll notice in this journal, it starts early in her disease, and it's written really well. But the further down you go through the months, you'll notice that her writing gets less and less. It's just almost unreadable. But here's what you notice. Woven through all that journal, through the last few months, are words from Steps to Christ. While it is still day. Amen? While your children are still at home. While they're still willing to listen to you. While it is still day. While people still respect you at work while people still respect you in your community, while it's still day, you can, while you can still utter, I'm sorry to your spouse, when you can still say, you know, I've, I've blown it, while it is still day, you can, while, you, while you can still walk, while you can still talk, while you can still serve, while you can still be generous, while you can still be kind, while you can still breathe, while you are still alive, while it's still day, Jesus says, our job is to shine. Because the night is coming when no one will be able to do so. What an amazing thing for Jesus to have taken this dark moment and turn it into this amazing opportunity. So John chapter 9, verses 6 through 12. It says, after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it into the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. The word is meant sent. So the man went and washed and came home saying, I want to make a little side note here. I don't want you to miss this little side note. Jesus does not have to use mud and saliva. Have you noticed that about Jesus? He could just say, rise. He could just say, heal. 
But this time, he uses mud and saliva. Why? You know, there are times when God will use doctors and medicine. That is okay. There are times when God wants to use the elements of the earth, the, 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 the stuff that comes out of this place with the minds of doctors that are brilliant, that he has given gifts to, by the way, to heal people. That is okay. In fact, he once told his disciples, you see these things, you will do greater things than I one day. I'm always amazed at people going, yeah, I'm not going to the doctor, I, I, I prayed. Okay. Is there something wrong with going to the doctor, though? Now, I'm not going to use the mud and saliva. I prayed. But thank you, though. If Jesus says, go and use some mud and saliva, man, go and use... I'm, I know, I know, that's, that's very simple medicine. But hey, why not? And keep on praying. Amen? He comes home seeing... His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, No, 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 I am the man. <laughs> it's me, really. Look, I can see now. Colors. Dimensions. I, can you imagine? But he... The, what his brain must have been like as he experienced all this stimulus. In verse 10, how then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man, now in my Bible, you don't have to do this, it's up to you. But in my Bible, I circled that word. It says, the man, they called Jesus, made some mud and put it in my eyes. And he, the man, told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. And they asked, where is this man? I don't know, he said. Now, I, want you, I don't want you to miss this awesome progression of this forever encounter right here. It starts off with the man. They call Jesus. Are you following this? All right, let's continue. John chapter 9, 13 through 17. It says, They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud in my eyes, the man replied, and I, and I washed, and, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. I mean, I, it really should say, like we do. cannot possibly be a real believer unless you look and act and talk and worship like me. That, that can't be right. 
You guys have never made that mistake, right? But others asked, I, I told the guys in the back I'd keep them on their toes. See, let me know how they're doing, okay? They've been fantastic, haven't they, by the way? For these past, I think they deserve a big round of applause for all that they do. And man, it's just, you guys rock, let me just tell you, man. You are rock stars in my book. The good ones, you know. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? And so they were divided. Is this like for effect here, the, the sound of the water? Because I suddenly have to go to the bathroom. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> sorry, sorry. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided, and they turned again to the blind man. What if they have to say about him? As if they haven't asked him enough, right? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, guess, I, I, I circled this word. He is a what? Prophet. At first, he's just a man that, that somehow made mud and, and, and spit on it. and put it. You know. But now... The more I think about it, the more you're asking me, the more convinced I am that, that I think he's a prophet. <laughs> so now the Pharisees redouble their efforts. You see, if theology doesn't work, perhaps pressure, humiliation, intimidation will. So John chapter 9, 18 through 27 it says, they still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. All right, time out for a second. How humiliating is this, right? I'm thinking this man's about your age, Dillette, right? So you're a grown woman, you're, you know, you're young, but still, you know, you're intelligent and and this happened to you, and they say to you, you know, hold on, i got to talk to your parents here to verify this. And the stupid question is, is this your son? <laughs> really? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he could see? Well, I can tell you this, the parents say. We know for sure he's our son. And we know he was born blind. But how we can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid. Can you imagine getting to this point? They were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. They'd be expelled from God excommunicated. That is why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. 
So a second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. And he replied, brother, he's a sinner. And I, I, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I mean, can't you just rejoice with me? Can't you just celebrate with me? I see this all the time. Young people, suddenly something happens in their lives and they follow Jesus and they want Jesus in their lives. But then the adults start worrying about what they're wearing or what they're not wearing or what, the, you know, what they're eating or what they should be. And I'm like, dude, relax. He was blind, but now he sees. Let God do the work. He that has begun a good work will finish it. Amen? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've already told you, and you have not heard me. You've not listened. Why do you want to hear it again? And then he says this. I like this. He's got a little bit of, you know, he's, he's, got, he's got a little spunk, this guy, doesn't he? This is an important word. Because what he is saying is, so now Jesus has gone from a man. You guys want to join me? I'm all in. You're it? Come on, let's do it. Of course, to the godly, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were stepped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Remind him that he's a sinner. What do you do when Satan reminds you that you're a sinner? I say that's true. And you're only cataloging half of it. <laughs> but I have a great Savior. And his name is Jesus. I don't know if you noticed this, by the way. There's a little interesting uh, side note here. The more they try to persuade him, the more convinced he gets. Do you notice that? Harassment can often end up compelling the receiver to do just the opposite. Ask any parents for teenagers. <laughs> John chapter 9, 35 to 38. I love the way this story kind of ends here. It says, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found them, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. He is right there before the Messiah. I mean, think about this moment, right? Who is he, the man asked, that I may so, tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, can you imagine, his eyes are open, he's looking at Jesus, and Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Man, I wish I was a fly on the wall in that moment to experience this amazing moment, this smile on the man's face. And then he says, Lord, I believe. And he falls to his knees and he worships him. 
from man to prophet to rabbi to God. Have you noticed that progression? From man to prophet to rabbi to God. That is the moment when the encounter became a forever encounter. When he fell to his knees and worshipped. So, what is he to you today? Is he just a man? It's okay. I'm here to tell you, just keep trying to get to know him better and better. Don't let anybody else dissuade you. Is he just a wise prophet and rabbi that lived 2,000 years ago? No worries. Just keep reading your Bible. Come to church. Experience community and fellowship. And let the Holy Spirit do his work. Keep getting to know him better. Here's what I've learned. We are all victims of blindness. And most of us are blessed to have physical eyes. But you would agree with me, don't you? That there is a thief who's been stealing the spiritual sight of men and women for millenniums. And I don't know about you, but I am going to follow Jesus and help as many people as possible while it's still day. If you cannot embrace forever without, without Jesus, without being clear of what is unacceptable and undesirable about this temporary, fleeting, unfulfilled life, what a shame it would be if you've encountered him and it has not become a forever encounter. So I invite you to surrender fully to him and you will experience the right of your life. Let's stand and sing together.
How many here this morning can say, I was blind, but now I see? We are so blessed as God's children to come to God's house where his presence is with us this morning and experience those words that Pastor Serge said to us, but also, Nate, I want you to come up here, please. You had a chance to be able to witness this young man right here take a step in commitment to follow God. And what a joy that has been. And it will continue to be there. So, here is your baptism certificate, a day that you will treasure. Here is a gift from the church. The only thing left is all those in favor of welcoming this young man into God's family, put your hands together. Nate, your family just expanded. Because I'm expecting each and every one of you to help this young man, help his family, support them on this journey. For we know that we are up against an enemy. And he is a terrible foe. But we need to be here for each other. And what a blessing it has been. Today has been a high day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what we experienced here this morning. The words that Pastor had shared with us. The moment that we had to treasure when Nate was baptized. Oh, I wish I was in heaven to see the jubilation take place there. But may we as a church support him, support the family, be there for them. For the journey is not always easy and it's difficult. May we leave here today filled with your love, with your joy, with your grace, with your forgiveness, and with your passion. May us just remember that you are the one who, who, who answers all prayers, who, who answers all problems, who is there for each one of us in an unconditional way. Walk with us this coming week and draw close to each one. In your name I pray, amen. Take the opportunity to meet this young man and his family, for he's a pretty special guy. Enjoy the day.